In today's episode, I go through the entire Christmas narrative, starting from the beginning to the birth of Christ. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is the Guide of Freedom Show. The show is sponsored by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. So if you always want to start a podcast but didn't know where to begin, Anchor is for you. Anchor is very simple to use, and it's also free. All you do is simply take your computer, phone, tablet, or whatever, record the audio, edit it, and then post it. You can monetize it with sponsorships or donation buttons. And then you can distribute it to other sites like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever other podcast system site you can think of. Definitely check it out, and that's anchor.fm, or download the app. Again, it's anchor.fm, or download the app. Okay, so, I hope everyone is having such a great week. Happy Sunday when you're hearing this. This is Saturday when I'm recording it. So, today is going to be different. I know, probably, <laughs> a lot of y'all were going to think I was going to talk about the election stuff and everything, but I have about enough of that, of course, because at this point... I, th I just don't see any other light, any other pathway for a Trump victory at this point. I just don't. And okay, I mean, if if Biden is in a White House, I'm I'm okay. Is I'm disappointed, but it's kind of in the world because most most because Jesus is still on the throne. So regardless of who is in the White House, he's still on the throne. He's still sovereign. So, that doesn't ultimately matter at this point. So, but yeah, that's all I'm going to pretty much mention about the whole election stuff and pretty much. But today I want to kind of take it in a different direction. Because with Christmas coming next week, literally next week. Um, in this episode, I want to really kind of go through the Christmas narrative. And when, when you hear the Christmas narrative, you automatically think the whole, you know, Luke chapter 2 ordeal about, you know, Mary and, or Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. And that's where she gives birth um, to Jesus. But in reality, the Christmas narrative is actually a lot bigger than just Luke chapter 2. I mean, that's the main meat of it, of course. That's the most important part of the entire narrative. But there is a start, a bigger starting point than than like what most people actually cover, and I want to go through that. So, like I said in the kind of the intro, I'm actually going to go start from the beginning, and what I mean by the beginning, I mean the, the beginning from Genesis one into the birth of Christ. It's good, so it's going to be very interesting to go through that. But first, what I want to do is kind of give you some origins. Of Christmas. So you'll hear a lot of people talk about, especially like Christians, will say, Oh, why are you celebrating Christmas? You know, it's a pagan holiday, right? Well, okay. Yes, it has pagan origins. It does, because um, originally, especially in Rome, it was celebrated as the winter solstice. It's basically as when the sun began to peak more light onto Earth. And that was basically the turning point from, like, how they describe it from darkness into light, basically, from light to death to, to life. So that, that was pretty much the turning point for people to know, okay, spring is coming, eventually. 
So it's a very interesting kind of part, but of course in the celebration there was a lot of drinking, partying, haymaking, fighting, and all that, so nothing very, <laughs> what you would say, Christ-like or anything. So yes, it is very obvious that you know it does have some pagan origins to it, and then it was eventually <clears throat> taken over by the Catholic Church during the time to order and decide to make that day the celebration of the birth of Christ, which there's kind of some, a little bit of similarities into it, like the celebration from death to life, from darkness to light, because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to bring the sinners who believe him and repent from darkness into light, from death to life. So I guess you saw kind of the similarities there, but again, it does have the pagan origins to it. The original Witch of Soldiers holiday was definitely pagan. But ultimately, like especially today, I mean, yes, people, a lot of people more celebrated for the presence and commercialized reasons and everything. But ultimately, especially for Christians, it is a celebration for the birth of Christ. That's what the day is for. So, yes, it does have its pagan roots, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because the point of our focus of the day is Christ. It is Christ. And yes, of course, he probably wasn't even born during that time, but we will never really know fully until we get to heaven. And at that point, point he was born. So again, like I said, it ultimately doesn't really matter. As long as you're celebrating and giving the day to Christ. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, so let's just, let's jump right into the Christmas narrative. So like I said before, um, the Christmas narrative, in my opinion, is a lot bigger than just Luke chapter 2, for example, just, just for the birth of Christ. Of course, again, like I said, that is the main meat of it. But there is an origin story for all this, for the reason why he came down to earth to be born and to save humanity from sin. So, of course, like I said, we're going to start from the very beginning. That means Genesis chapter 1. So, this is the creation. And again, um, you can follow me along if you want, and I'll be reading from the non-Armadian Standard Bible. And just a quick note, again, for those who didn't hear the first time around, like, the reason why I say not Armenian Standard Bible is because, I listened, I didn't make that up, actually, um, I heard it from Daryl Harrison on the Just Thinking, Just Thinking podcast. He always says it, it's the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, that's actually the name for it, <laughs> but he calls it the, the non-Armenian Standard Bible, and just kind of, like, picked up on it, and I actually think that's a better name for it, that's just that's why, that's why I say it. But anyways, I'll be reading from the, goodness gracious, sorry about that. I'll be reading from the NESB. So, alrighty, so, the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the first surface of the, of the water, sorry, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. 
Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the day the light day, and the darkest he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate, and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse separating separated the waters which are below the expanse from the waters which are above the expanse. And, and it was so. God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. And then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the, um, the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth sprout, sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruits on the earth, bearing fruit after their kind, with, with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought, brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in, with seed in them and after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so God made the two great lights, the greater light govern the, to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night, which is obviously the sun and the moon. He, also, he made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens and to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters tame the swarms of living creatures. Sorry, let the waters team with swarms of living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created these great, great sea monsters and every living creature that moves. With which the waters swarmed after every after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that was good. God blessed him, saying, "Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters and the seas. Let the birds multiply there on the earth." There was evening and there was morning, a fifth day. Then God said, "Let the earth bring forth." Living creatures after their kind, cattle, creeping, creeping things, beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that was good. And then, here the most important part of this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, 
and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image, and in the image of God, he created them, created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea, or the birds of the sky, and every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all, all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding, <coughs> fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky into everything that moves on the earth which is life i given i have given every green plant for food and it was so god saw all that he made and behold it was very good excuse me and there was a and when there was evening and there was morning the sixth day so that was Pretty much the creation right there. All the creation, you know, the earth, the plants, seas, skies, humans, animals, all that. <clears throat> so one point, one part, what I really kind of hone in on is, of course, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let me, I'm going to read it one more time. Then God said, let us make men in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, that's what separates us from all the animals of the earth. Like, all the, the cows, you know, dogs, cats, and all that. Because, you know, he's still, there's still God's creation. But the difference is, is that we... You know, human beings are created in his image, for image bearers of him. And so, we carry the breath of life, which no other really animal has. And then, of course, at the end, God saw that was very good. And of course, the first, as we know, the first man was Adam. He created him, created him from the dust of the earth. And, sorry, and was settled in the Garden of Eden and all that. And of course, he eventually made Eve from Adam's rib, and as kind of as a help helper for him. And of course, you know, God said he saw that was good. But of course, nothing, none of that will last. None of it. And God saw knew that from the beginning. He knew before he even created everything. The heavens, the earth, and the universe. He knew that man will fall. And that's precisely what happened. So now let's jump to Genesis 3. So the fall man. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said... You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruits of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the, of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, so God has said, 
You shall not eat from it, or touch it, or you will die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate it. Then the, eye, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cold of the day. And the man said, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard you, I heard the sound of you. In the garden, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I have commanded you not to eat? Then God said, The woman who, whom you gave to, gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, de the serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord said to the serpent, "Because you have done this, cursed are you for. Sorry, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat. All the days of your life, and I will. And I will put enmity, enmity." Between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and he shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will give forth bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to, then to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I have commanded you not commend you, saying, You should not eat from it. Curse the ground because of you, and toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, both both thorns and th thistles it shall grow for you. And you will eat the plants of the field field, by the sweat of your face you will you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And now the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. The, the Lord made garments of the skin, made, sorry, the Lord God made garments of, of, skin, of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. Then... Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground which he, 
which he was taken from. So he so he drove the man out, and at the east of the um, the Garden of Eden, he stationed the uh, cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction which turned every direction to the guard to guard the way to the tree of life. So right there, right there is essentially the fall of man. Right there, it's basically. Um, I'm going to continue on talking about this in just a little bit, but first you got to go over to YouTube or the kind of really bother to check it out. So not only you get the rest of this episode, but also, you know, towards the end, where I go over my, come on, like, uh, favorite, favorite, like, Christmas movie and all that, and also good stuff in Bass of the Week. And remember, you can, sorry, remember, you can find me on your favorite podcast listening sites, like a podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. This is God of Freedom Show. Alrighty, so let's continue on right here. So like I said, that was pretty much the gist of the Fallen Man right there. And basically, kind of summary of what exactly happened. You know, of course, God commanded them to, you know, not to eat from the tree knowledge of good and evil and all that. But the serpent said, has God really said that you would die from it? Because, and then he said, you know, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God, and you'll know good and evil. And that's the key point right there. This is what is pretty much Adam and Eve want to become pretty much God in and of themselves. So that's why they ate the fruit. That, you know, God commanded them not to eat. And therefore, they both committed the first sins. And they were casted out of the Garden of Eden. And from there, you know, they had, you know, their children, and then, you know, the earth began to multiply with humans, but, of course, as we know, it was just filled with wickedness and evil and all that. So now let's jump to Genesis 6. So, Genesis 6. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, uh, on face of the land, and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the, the daughters of the men were, <clears throat> sorry, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord God said, "My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he is also flesh." Nevertheless, his day shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the, daughter, to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were, were of old, men of renown. Then God, then the Lord, sorry, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that 
every intent of the thoughts of the, his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he made man on, had made man on on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Then the Lord said, "I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from the an from man to animals to creepy things to the birds of the sky." For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man and blameless in his not time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons. Shem, Ham, and Jabbath. Sorry. Jabbath. Japheth. Something like that. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the, the end of all flesh has become before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them with with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and you shall cover it with cover it inside out with with pitch. This is how you how you shall make it. The length of the uh, of the ark three hundred cubits in its um breadth fifty cubits, and its height thirty cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to the cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the, in the side of it. You shall make it with the lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of the water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life. From under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, your sons, your wives, and your sons, your sons' wives with you, and of every living thing, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds of, of the bird. Of the birds after their kind, and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind of, sorry, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take yourself some all, some all of all food which is edible, and gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you. And for them, thus Noah did according to according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. So you know, of course, mankind was becoming very corrupt and very evil. So God decided, okay, I'm just gonna flood the earth and wipe them out. But there was one righteous man, and that was Noah. So he I made a covenant with him, and ha I told him to build an ark. So that the human species could still live on after this. And again, 
Gunn knew all this was going to happen, too, from the very beginning. And so, of course, the floods came. There was a lot of rain. The water from the ground um, erupted as well. And pretty much every living creature, except the ones on the Ark, was destroyed. But, of course, after the 40 days, I think it was 40 days, 40 nights of raining, and just many, 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 many days of just like sitting in the water of the flood, the waters started to recede. And, you know, the land, land started to become, become revealed, and that was that. And so, that's when God established a covenant with man again, through Noah. So that's Genesis chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. The fear of you and the terror of, of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky, which, with everything that creeps on the ground, and all the fish of the sea into your hand they are given. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant, only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely, I will acquire your lifehood. Sir, surely, I will acquire your lifeblood from every beast. I will acquire it. And from every man, and from every man's brother, I will acquire the life of, the, of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made he made man. And as for you, be fruitful, multiply, populate the earth abundantly, and, multi and multiply in it. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you to the birds, the cattle, and every beast of, of the earth with you, of all that comes out, out of the ark, even every beast of, of the earth. I will establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there be again a flood destroy the earth. God said, this is a sign of the covenant, which I am making between me and you, and every living creature that is with you. For all successive, gen successive, successive generations, I set my bow in the cloud, and shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the man. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth, that, that the bow will be seen in the cloud. The, sorry, the bow will be seen in the cloud. And I remember my covenant, which is between me and you, and every living creature of the all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is, that is on the earth. And to God, Noah said, 
This is, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Alright. So again, the rainbow sign and everything, that's basically the sign of God's covenant with man through Noah. That he would never, you know, flood the earth again to destroy it. But, of course, this wasn't the end of it because... While he spared humanity at the end, there's still other flesh that is still sinful. And here's another example of that. In Genesis chapter 11, right here, this is verses 1 through 9. Now the whole earth would um, use the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them um, thoroughly. And they used a brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for us of the city a tower which will top, which whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make for ourselves a name otherwise will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord, the Lord came down to see the city and the town which the sons of men have built. The Lord God said, Behold, they are one people, and they shall have all, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and um, there, confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord got, Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, his name, his name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and got, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole of the whole earth. Excuse me. And so, this is basically another example of man trying to be like God and to, you know, reach into heaven and everything. Then God said, okay, I'm going to scatter, confuse your language and scatter you about. And that's why everybody speaks different language, languages today. And so, of course, over the years from then on out, you know, the earth begins to multiply more and more. And then, God makes a covenant with the Israelites, with, through Abraham. So now let's jump to Genesis 12, 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Ab Abraham, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the, and the one who curses you, I will, cur I will curse. And, all, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Now Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abraham took Sari his wife and Lot his nephew, 
and all their possess possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had had acquired in Amharan. And they set, set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham, sorry, Abram passed through the land as far as the side of uh, Shechem to the Ogamora. Now the Canaanite was then the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded to proceeded from the, their mount, there to the a mount of the east, east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the uh, west, i.e. on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord, Abram journeyed on the, and then you know, Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. So especially God established, establishing the covenant with the Jewish people through Abraham. And thus, of course, as we all know the story, Abraham, eventually his wife, you know, their names would change to Abraham and Sarah, and eventually gave birth to Isaac. And from there, he had, you know, Jacob and all that, and from there on out. And eventually, I think after, you know, kind of Joseph and everything, the Israelites moved into the land of Egypt, in which they were taken up as slaves for, for 400 years. And... And they were, you know, beaten, killed, and just absolutely just brutalized and all that. So they pretty much all have forgotten about God and everything. But then, of course, God sent a man to deliver them out of Egypt. And that was, of course, Moses. And so now let's jump to Exodus 3. This is, of course, the burning bush. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of, the, of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now to see... And see this marvelous sight. Why is the bush not burned up? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, he God called him, called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for this place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said, I am the God of your father. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who were in Egypt, and I and have given 
heed to the cry because of their taskmasters, which for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from the from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hevite and the Jubisite. Now behold, the cries, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I will have seen the oppression which the Egyptians has have, which the Egyptians are oppressing them. In the mission of Moses. Come on. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you, that it is I who have sent you. With, with when you have brought people out of Egypt, you shall worship the God God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is what is what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And again, he said. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am who has sent, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my, and this is my memorial to all Sorry, memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel, gather together, and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me and said, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been, what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up, bring you up out of affliction of Egypt to the land of Canaanite to and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hevite and the Jebusite to land to land flowing with milk and honey. They would pay heed to what you say and you and you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt and you will say to them, Lord, the God of Hebrews has met with us. So now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice the, to the Lord our God. But I know the king of Egypt will not permit you to go under, except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miraculous miracles which I shall do in the midst of it, and after they will, after that he will let them let you go. I will grant his people f favor 
I'll grant his, I'll grant this, goodness, I will grant this people favor in the sight of the, Egypt, of the Egyptians, and it shall be that when you go, and you will not go empty-handed, but every woman shall ask for your neighbor, and the woman who lives in your house, in her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, you shall put them on your sons and daughters. Thus, you will blunder the additions. Okay. That's basically, you know, God telling Moses, you know, go into Egypt, talk to Pharaoh, and command him to, that God has said, let his people go. Of course, he immediately doesn't, and then God sends a bunch of plagues to, to Egypt, and thus at the end, he does let them go, and they are freed, and all that. And that's when, you know, Moses parted, God part of the Red Sea for them to, you know, go through and skip the Egyptians who were, who were after them, and all that. And from there, you know, they journeyed through the wilderness, and came up to the Mount, uh, Mount Sinai, and that's when Moses went up to the mountain, and God spoke to him, and gave him all the commandments, including the Ten Commandments, that people, that the people Israel must follow. And so, here is Gen Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who you brought who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of every house of slavery. You shall not you shall not you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth, beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the equity of the fathers on the children, and on the third and the fourth generations of those who, who, who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not, you shall not take the name of the Lord, sorry, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain, for the Lord will leave him unpunished who takes. Sorry, for the Lord would not leave him unpunished, who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day it's the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, or male, or, or your female servant, your, or your cattle, or your uh, sojourner, who stays with you, for in six days the, God, the Lord made heaven, the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is, that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord has blessed, has blessed the Sabbath day and made them made it holy. Honor your, honor your father and your mother. Thus, so sorry. Honor your father and and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. 
You shall not murder, murder, sorry, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not, you know, bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your um, neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey. Excuse me. Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So that is. Yeah, that is the Ten Commandments right there. And that's basically, and of course, with that, can a bunch of other commandments as well that, you know, God commanded them to follow. But of course, that didn't happen. You know, and, and thus, you know, they wandered the desert for 40 years. 40 years they wandered through the desert when, you know, they could have been there in about a week or so. In a couple of weeks, maybe. But, you know, they eventually did get to Israel. And, you know, established their land and everything. Established their kingdom. Established, you know, the nation and everything. And eventually, and they said, you know, we need a king. To rule over us, even you know, you know, even though their ruler was supposed to be God, but you know, of course, God granted them the king. You know, the, and that's when you know Saul came. He and God anointed him king of Israel, but then you know he disobeyed God, and you know his covenant with him was taken, and then he, and then he made anointed David to become the new king of Israel. And thus, you know, he, you know, took the throne and conquered all of Judah and everything and established the kingdom in Israel. But of course, um, David himself, you know, committed adultery with his best friend's wife and had his best friend killed and everything. And so, again, the sinful nature of man continued on and on and on. And with... And thus, you know, through the years, there are many kings of Israel, some, a few who were righteous, but a lot of them were wicked. But in the midst of all that, there was whispers of a coming Messiah, a coming Savior, to save everyone from the oppression of sin. So let's jump to Jeremiah 31.31, real quick. So Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So this new covenant obviously is through Jesus, through Christ. When he, you know, through his death, burial, resurrection. Now let's jump to Isaiah 53. So Isaiah 53 says, The suffering servant, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty, that he should look upon him 
nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, and a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And like one of from whom men hide their face, he was despised and would not esteem him. Surely our griefs, surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through, pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for iniquities, and the in the. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. And all, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed, and he was, was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before before his um, shears, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he that he was that he who he who considered that he was cut off out of the land of, land of the living for the transgression of my people, to whom the stroke was was due. He he. His grave was signed with wicked men, yet he was with rich men in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, the Lord, but the Lord was pleased to crush him and put him to grief. If he were to render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offering and will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his land as a result of the anguish of his, of his soul. And he, he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge of the, of the righteous one. My servant, would, my servant would justify the many as he will bring the iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty and the strong. Because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressor, transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many, and interceded for the transgressors. So that's an obvious, obvious prediction of Jesus and what he came to, came to, to do, to bear the sins of all of us and die on the cross, and then to be resurrected three days later. So of course, you know, as time goes on, and as you know, wickedness and corruption continues to fill the land of Israel and everything, then that's when God allowed Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar to take over the land and to basically exile the um, Israelites from their land into Babylon. So now let's jump to Second Kings twenty-four and twenty-five.
So this says, in his days, um, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up um, and Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. And then he turned and rebelled against him. Against him. The Lord sent against him bands of Shaldeans, bands of Ar Armenians, bands of Moabites, and bands of Ammonites. So he sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of, of the Lord, which he has spoken through his service, servants, the prophets. Surely at the, at the command of the Lord, it came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all he had done, and also for the innocent blood which, which he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not forgive. Now the rest of the acts of the uh, Jeho, sorry, Jehoiakim, and all he did are not written, are not written in the book of in the book of the Chronicles or of, of the Kings of Judah. Sorry. So through all that. Um, I'm kind of skimmed through it basically, but you know, Nebuchadnezzar came up to Jerusalem and everything. He um, proceeded, you know, take over the city. And then he appointed Zedekiah to be the king of you know of Jerusalem and everything. Then, sorry. As, you know, Zedekiah became king. Then the king of Babylon made his uncle Metaniah king in his place and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Emmedal and daughter, and daughter, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. Libna. He did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that. Uh, Geochem had done. For the th through the anger of the Lord, this came about in Jerusalem and Judah until he cast it out of his presence as Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Now, the ninth month of his, um, uh, 2 Kings 25, now in the nine, um, ninth year of his reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he and all his army against Jerusalem camped out against it, built a siege, built a siege wall around it. So the city was under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then the city was broken into, and all the men of war fled by night. By the way of the gate between the walls beside the king's garden through the Shaldans, Shaldans and were all around the city and they went and they sorry and, and they went by Araba but the army of the Shaldans pursued the king overtook him in the plains of Jericho and all his army was scattered with him from him then they captured the king and brought him to the king of Babylon at Ribla. He passed his sentence on to him. 
they slaughter the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and they put out his eyes of Zedek put out the eyes of Zedekiah, bound him with bronze fetters, and brought him to Babylon. And of course, that's when Jerusalem was born, the burned down, the temple was burned down and everything, and you know, they were taken out of out of um Jerusalem into Babylon. But then that's when kind of Daniel comes in kind of and <clears throat> found you know favoring God's eyes and eventually King of Persia Sias, I believe his name, um, came in, took over Babylon, and eventually released the people of Israel into people of Israel back into Jerusalem. They're free to go. And that's Ezra. Ezra one. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fill the word of the word of the Lord God by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in the writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given, given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people may be may his God, may, May his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord and the God of Israel. In his, he is the God who is in Jerusalem. Every survivor at that whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods, with cattle together. With a free will offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. So, you know, they were released from their captivity into back into Jerusalem. But of course, you know, all throughout that time, once they settled back in Israel and everything, you know, they were continually getting attacked by other nations and everything, but they still continued to rebel against God. In Israel and, and, and everything, it's still sinned, rebel against God, and all that. And so, but of course, God never let go His promise to to us. And that's what comes in Malachi three one. It says, "Behold, I am going to send my messenger." And he will be, he will clear the way for, before me, and the Lord whom you seek, and will suddenly come to his to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of, of hosts. And then finally, Malachi four five to six. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great day, great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the hearts of the children to the fathers, so that I will come, not come, and smite the land with a curse. And so, those two verses are actually really a prediction of John the Baptist in his becoming the messenger 
and making the way, preparing the way for the Lord, which is, of course, was Jesus. But at that point, after this verse Malachi right here, at the four, Malachi verse 4 6, that was it. Then there was a 400 period of just silence. And that's when, you know, Rome conquered Israel and took it over and everything and oppressed people there. And just nothing but silence. And a lot of people felt hopeless during that, during that time. Which it always reminds me of this, when I think about that, when I think about that, it always reminds me of this scene right here. This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen, with the dark shadow of the Empire rising to take their place. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. Do not return to the Temple. That time has passed. And our future is uncertain. We will each be challenged. Our trust, our faith, our friendships. But we must persevere. And in time, a new hope will emerge. May the Force be with you. Always. And so right there, you know, of course it has nothing to do with God or anything, but it's kind of a kind of a reflection of what happened. You know, they lost all hope, they lost their kingdom and everything, but there was still a new hope that was to come. And that new hope for them is was Jesus, and for all the earth as well. And so, after the 400 period of silence, that's when God just basically invaded the land. So first, let's start with Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of the division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people who were in prayer outside of at the hour of the incense offering, and in the end, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of right of the altar incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and feared fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zacharias, but for your petition, petition has been heard, and your wife will bear your, you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness." Made it rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of, of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or no liquor, 
and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, and he will turn many, many sons of Israel back to the Lord, and it is he who will go as, as a forerunner before him, before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the, uh, make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so, you know, of course, Elizabeth, Elizabeth became pregnant and gave birth to John the Baptist. And everything, and he was, of course, the one to make the way, prepare the way for the Lord, for Jesus. But then, now we have, when, uh, go to the point where Mary is conceived. Now, in the sixth month of the angel, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee in Nazareth, called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favorite one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation what this was. They just said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The, the, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can I how can this be, since I am a virgin? Then the angel answered to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will, will overshadow, overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth, who also conceived a son, her son in her old age, and she, who also carried barren, called, was called barren in her, in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with a God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's when, you know, Jesus was conceived and everything. And then, you know, he, she told Joseph about it, and then, and all that, and then, of course, at the time came closer, there was a decree from Caesar to, for a census, to all people to go to the lands of the fathers. For Joseph, that was, of course, Bethlehem. So now we get to the big national main narrative, the main meat of the Christmas narrative. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census would be taken of all the inhabitants of earth. This was the first census taken while um, Cornelius was governor of Syria, and everyone on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph went up to Galilee from the city of Nazareth to Judea, 
to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house of house of the family of David. In order in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged in him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed to, for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in, in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. In the same region, there were shepherds, some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And, age, and an angel of the, of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord sh shone around them, around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of, the, of great joy, which, which will be for all the people. For today, in the, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, you you will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly there was a, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary, Mary and Joseph, and the baby he has lay. And as and, and the baby has as he lay in the manger. When when they had unseen this, they were, had made known the statement which had been told about about this child, about the child, and all who heard it wondered about other things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. In her heart. The, shepherd, the shepherds went, went back, glorifying and praising God for all that he, for all that they, that they heard and seen, just as been, just had, as had been told them. So you have this big moment where, because for years, how ways to repent of you know sin and atone for sin was through a lamb sacrifice, taking the lamb, spotless lamb, and sacrificing, sacrificing and atone for your sins. And they had to do that constantly. But then here, but still, they were still ruffled with sin, and still the, the, Satan still ruled the earth. But this is when God pretty much invaded invaded the land through his becoming flesh into Jesus and begging the way for ultimate atonement and repentance of sin. And you know a lot of people have the memory look kind of look at the birth of Christ as something peaceful and quiet and everything, but in reality it was something like this, right? Here.
Okay, so I know that's kind of more of an exaggerated kind of version of what happened. Of course, you know, it was just you know, the birth of Christ and everything, but in reality, in the spiritual world, that will, that that is what would happen through the through blood sacrifice. You know, God invented invasion, made an invasion onto Earth in order to reclaim back back the Earth for its kingdom and to make a new heaven and a new Earth. And from there, through the death, burial, resurrection, through through Christ, a new covenant was made. And a new hope for everyone, to everyone who believes in him, you know, will not, will not be perished in hell. Instead, they'll be spending eternal life in heaven beside God, beside Jesus. It's just, it's really an incredible thing. Incredible thing. Okay, so that's pretty much the Christmas, Christmas narrative right there. I know it is, that was pretty long right there. That's, Jeez, I got a probably the longest episode I've done right here, but I'm still not quite done yet. So now that we got all that aside and everything, so now let's talk about my favorite Christmas movie. So there's a lot of great Christmas movies out there, a lot. But now recently, probably my favorite has to be It's a Wonderful Life. It's just it's so amazing. On all measures, just the story and everything. And if you have not watched it, I recommend you watching it. Especially, it comes on every Christmas Eve. So, sit down and watch it. It is, it is so, so amazing. In fact, I got a clip of it right here. It is actually the ending of it. So here's that clip right here. To my big brother, George. The richest man in town. So amazing. So amazing. Just again, again, really get the context of the scene you haven't watched the movie. I'm not gonna really explain it. I'm gonna gotta watch the entire movie to get the full context of that scene right there. Alright, so now time for some good stuff and bad stuff of the week. Or really just some good stuff. 
So some guests of the week. So the Mandalorian um, had showed its you know season finale right here, and basically for spoilers who haven't spoilers for people who haven't really paid attention to this season right now. <clears throat> so basically, uh, the remnants of the Empire by a game, by a guy named Moth Gideon. Um, he basically took up Grogu or Baby Yoda into um their ship and to do experiments or whatever on him and so Manda or Din the Mandalorian guy with a with the help of Boba Fett and a bunch of other people um they went on to the ship and got him back and so uh, they also capture Moth Gideon as well <clears throat> but towards the last 20 minutes or 15 minutes or so you know they're being cornered inside the bridge by a bunch of these troopers called dark troopers which is these almost indestructible kind of droids that were remnants of uh, you know stormtroopers of course and everything and of course you know they're breaking into the bridge and all that you know and really regular blasters <laughs> won't do a thing to it so but thankfully someone comes to the rescue and if you have not seen this um episode yet go do not do not watch the scene get out of here because this is a major spoiler if you don't care about spoilers well enjoy So yeah, Luke Skywalker <laughs> came on the Mandalorian, and it was actually really—it was pretty cool to see him there. And this is the Luke Skywalker that we all hope for, hope for to see on on Star Wars after the Return of the Jedi. But we never really saw it because you know the Last Jedi completely butchered his character and everything. So it was really great to see the real Luke Skywalker that we all know. Alrighty, so that that's all I have for this episode. So, yeah, this is this is gonna be my last episode for the year, and I'll be back here probably on January sixteenth or seventeenth. Um, then to bring in the first episode of the year. So, everyone, have yourself a merry Christmas and happy New Year and everything. Stay safe. And you know, enjoy time with your family and all that. And I'll see y'all then. My name is John Clinton, and this is the God of Freedom Show. If you enjoyed this episode of the God of Freedom Show, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Remember, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Thank you for listening or watching.